What are you doing? Just uh, real quick, I, I moved the uh, screen, uh, uh, the projector off the wall to the world's oldest screen uh, because I'm going to show you some pictures. And when you show pictures on the wall, the wall is brown and everybody looks like Moses. Ch- Charlton Heston, everyone, you know, I love the Ten Commandments. When he comes down off the mountain, he's got like a spray tan and then his hair blown back. And that's what people look like on the wall. So I thought, I don't want to do that. Uh, so that's why it's there. It's small, I know. Sorry. So if you can't see, you can move if you want. Uh, I was in Nicaragua for the last uh, 10 days, and I want to share a little bit about that today. I, I was thinking I'd just go home and share about the trip, but I really want to do that. I actually want to teach a little bit in the... What are you going to do? Yeah, sure. But you're going to... Don't hurt anything. I know. <laughs> it's like a... Somebody help him. Uh, I'm, just ignore these men. I, I want to I share a little bit about this in the content. No, you're not ignoring you. You're all watching them. <laughs> okay, now that's... You guys, you guys are such dorks. That's, oh, God. All right. God, okay, thank you. Shush, shush. I have lost complete control of my church. Um, but I want to share about this a little bit in, in the context of being missional people. We've been talking about the church the last few weeks, and, and, and even what, what Shane just shared now. Uh, we, we, our heart's desire, and, and kind of at the foundation of who we are, is to really be a missional people. And I'll define that a little bit as we go this morning. Uh, but I, I thought I would share a little bit about my trip in the context of that. And I want to begin, uh, before we pray, with just a verse that's so foundational to how we approach being missional and how we approach ministry in the vineyard. It's one that any of you that have been around the vineyard for any length of time are familiar with, but I thought it was a good launching point today. It's in the Gospel of John, chapter 5. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, the Son could do nothing by himself. That's a weird statement, isn't it? For Jesus to make. It's a weird statement. I mean, for us to make, for me to say that would be a very normal statement. I can't do anything. Uh, But for Jesus, it's a weird statement. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. So so Jesus was connected to his Father. He was in relationship with the Father. He was in communion with God, and he didn't act alone. He says he can only do what he sees the Father doing. And... uh, to me, the heart of mission, and I think this is what Shane was saying, really, the heart of mission, the heart of being missional in the vineyard is to follow after Jesus, to be so in touch with God. We, we seek God, we pursue, we're, we pursue God in our lives. We're so filled with his presence that his voice becomes clear. We know what he's doing. And so when we do what he's doing, uh, things go better. It's, there's, there's a level of discernment and understanding what God's doing. When we enter into that ministry that God's already a part of, People say, you know, whatever, you know, we're going to invite God to come. And God's already there. We find out what God's doing. We begin to enter into that. And I think uh, that really, to me, is, is the heart of, of, of really doing what the Father is doing. Here's a great little quote. I, I don't know who wrote this. I think Bert Wagner did, but somebody did. Uh, Foundational to all we are doing is the simple desire to partner with God in what we see Him doing. Missio Dei is the Latin term for the sending of God. and refers to the work of God in the world. The mission of the church is inaugurated and sustained by the Missio Dei, joining with the activity of God in the world 
is at the center of our missions activity. So this morning I want to talk about mission, missions, and missional. That's a progression of thought, and we'll define it as we go, but let's pray. God, thanks for today. You're, you're a good God. You're doing stuff all over the world. You're doing stuff in a bar in New York City and in a village in a jungle on the east coast of Nicaragua, and you're doing things here in Portland, and we love you for it. Amen. Uh, so, so, again, there's a, there's a progression of thought between those three things, mission, missions, and missional. I'll start with mission. Those of you that have been around for a little while, anybody n- not remember the Blues Brothers? Oh, good. Even well, Some of you don't. So, real, real Christians have never seen it. Um, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd and John Belusi were, were uh, the Blues Brothers. They were on a mission from God. And their mission was to put the band back together. Uh, but, but a mission, we know it, to be on a mission, we kind of know what that is. You have a mission, you're going to go do something, right? You've got a plan, you're going to go conquer somebody, you're going to conquer them. You know what I mean? You're gonna, you, you've got, there, there's, a, there's a, a, a venture, a journey, something's going to happen. Um, but a mission usually has a beginning and an end. You, there's a starting point and an end point. You go accomplish the mission, and, and then it's done. Once you once you you, you conquer who you went out to conquer, or you accomplish what you were going to accomplish, you plant the flag on the hill, whatever, then it's done. Your mission is over. You won. Um, and, and so that's good, but I think we want to expand that a little bit. Here at Portland Vineyard, uh, we're on a mission. We're on a mission from God, too. Uh, I like the hats. I think we should get hats. But our mission is, we say it every week, blessed to be a blessing. And I think sometimes we think that is a... Oh, it's, a, it's a catchy little phrase, isn't it? Blessed to be a blessing. It's a sort of a slogan. What it really is is a mission statement. It's a mission statement. That, that's, that's what we're about here. Our, our mission is to, first of all, understand and recognize the blessing of God in our lives. That, that we are a blessed people. We're truly blessed. We really are. We, we are a blessed people. We're recipients of the grace of God, the mercy of God. We're recipients of the forgiveness of God. We are recipients of the healing of God. We're recipients of all of the manifest presence of God and all of the works of God, all the things he does. We receive those and we embrace those. And many of us are really, really familiar with that. We, we, we've, we know where we came from. We know what we'd be without him. And we're ever conscious of, of the need we have uh, for God in our lives. But sometimes... The church kind of becomes a bless me club. Bless me, bless me, bless me. And I get blessed and I, oh, I want more blessing. Can I have more, more, more? And let me just say, there's nothing wrong with that. I want all the blessing I can get, right? I want it. Give me more, more, more. I'll take more. We want more. But it's not an end in itself. That's not where it ends. If all we ever do is receive and we don't give, then we really have, have missed the point. We are blessed to be a blessing the, the, the end game, the goal, is to receive all the blessing of God we can give and then to share that, to give that away. Our purpose, the purpose of Jesus, the Missio Dei, is to give that blessing away to other people. It's, it's, it's never to be kept. It's never to be kept. Freely you have received, now freely give. Jesus, and again, those that have been recipients of the grace of God, you understand how it works. I did nothing to deserve this, and yet God loved me. Sometimes there's people around us that maybe didn't do anything to deserve it, but God says, I want you to love that person anyway. It's never to be kept. It's always to be given away. That's the church. 
If, if we don't do that, here's the thing. Really, we're just a club. Really, that's what clubs do. You get together, you rally around something, but you, you, you meet together. You're, this is the, that's the end. We want to do that. I, I like clubs. They're kind of fun. We get together. But if that's all we do, we're just a club. Until we decide that we're going to take what we have, what we know, what we've received, and we turn that out and give it away, we're, we're not really the church. I'm reading a very cool book right now. I'm actually going to, I think sometime next year, do a, a little... Uh, teaching from the book. It's, it's about spiritual formation, actually. It's called Invitation to a Journey. And the author of the book puts it this way. Um, I forgot. He says, we're being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. The more like Jesus I become, the more able I am to then represent Jesus to people I meet. Does that make sense? The more Jesus is in me, the more Jesus comes out of me. If I just try to represent Jesus without a lot of him in me, uh, doesn't go well. What I end up representing is me, which usually isn't that great. But if I have a lot of Jesus in me, it's amazing. He comes out. He comes out. And, and people can see that and they receive that. It's, it's an awesome thing. So we, uh, we really are conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. For, for us here, and the blessed to be a blessing phrase comes from a passage in Genesis chapter 3, you guys, most of you know it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read the part in yellow. And I will bless you, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I, I really like that a lot. It's one of those verses that I have to remind myself often because the way I like to read that is that all the people that are like me will be blessed through me. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say all the people that are like me will be blessed like, by me. It says all the people on the earth will be blessed by me. So people of different religions, people of different races, people of different socioeconomic strata, people of, all the people of the earth will be blessed. And when you get, when you travel and you go and you meet different people, you don't have to travel. I mean, you can go up here to travel to the back on Thursdays when we give food away, but you meet different kinds of people and you, and you realize how powerful that is. I, we were, we had such a great time. I was, I'll show you a picture. I mean, I was in Nicaragua, um, Four of us, four pastors from, from the Washington, Oregon, from Vancouver and, and here in Spokane, we're, we're together. But our friend Eugenio, who's a, a Nicaraguan pastor, was with us. And then a, another friend, Shelton Taguma, who is working in Nicaragua right now, but he's actually from Zimbabwe. He was with us. And then my friend Nathan was with us with his wife, who is Venezuelan. And then we went up into the, uh, the hinterlands, into the jungle, and met with a family there who are mosquito people. They're indigenous uh, Central American natives. So I was looking around and I was going, man, this is awesome. There's like people from all over the world, colors, races, cultures, languages. We had to have multiple translators going to be able to communicate with everybody. And I said, I love this. This is, this is so cool. Uh, so you just, you become aware of what it really means when God says all the peoples in the world be blessed through you. I oh, just, man, it just it gets me. So, that, that, mission. We're on a mission. All the people. Let's talk about missions for a minute. Um, missions is, is sort of the term we give often to doing what I did this week. Uh, you go on, it's, it's a term we give to taking that blessing and going somewhere, usually cross-culturally, not always. Sometimes you can do mission trips in your own community, but often cross-culturally and sharing that. that so it's sort of missions, missions trip. Uh, continuing that idea of 
passing on what Jesus does. But typically, also kind of confined by time and space, right? I went to Nicaragua for 10 days. I left on the 27th, I think, in, or 29th and came back on the 7th. You know, there's a, my missions trip was over when I came home. Um, so it, it's, it's confined to time and space. Um, but, but I want to I move forward and talk a little bit about being on a mission and going on missions trips and then allowing that to transform our lives until we actually become missional people. And we live missionally all of, all of the time. Um, this also, the idea of missions, of going, comes from Jesus. He's always our model. Matthew 28, right after, you know, almost immediately after his resurrection, uh, he tells the disciples uh, to go, go and make disciples of all nations, not some, all. And then a little bit later, he appears to them again. And he tells them, I like this, it's a follow-up, how they're going to do that. I'm sure when he said that, they're like, what? You know, what? And he says, oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you and give you power. And that's how you'll be able to do it. So that's the follow-up. So So here's how we approach missions in the vineyard. We work in partnerships. And uh, I'll I'll just read this to you. It's a good description. Uh, The vineyard uses U.S.-based partnerships to further missions. A partnership is a group of churches that voluntarily come together and choose a particular target area to focus in. No church is expected to go it alone. Together, along with the people living in the target area, they develop a strategic plan, carry out the vision. Partnerships make cross-cultural and translocal missions available to churches of all sizes. In partnership, the total burden does not fall on one church, and the work in the target area does not fluctuate with the life of a single church. In addition, new opportunities for fellowship and friendships are available among the partners. As the African proverb says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So, so partnership, really, that's so key. I mean, I know there's a lot of ways to do missions in the world, but the way we look at it is, uh, like it says, when churches work together, you can accomplish more. Sometimes if you have a very small church, you might think, well, how do we really get involved in missions? It takes a lot of resource. You know, we'd love to go do something, but we have maybe one person or two people that could go. Well, when you work in partnership, you, you, you have a larger team, a larger pool to draw from. And the other thing is this, and I, I've seen this happen over my lifetime, is that church works in an area for a while. Something happens. The pastor changes. The church goes through a hard time, whatever. And so that work stops. Well, with a partnership, that doesn't happen because the other churches in the partnership continue to work. So as you guys may or may not know, I, I lead the partnership, the Vineyard Partnership for Nicaragua. Uh, we, we've been involved in Nicaragua for 11 years now in this church. The, the, the vineyard has been there for 15 years total. Uh, we have 11 U.S. churches now, and I think we'll have 12 by the end of next year that are partnering together to work in Nicaragua. And it's pretty exciting to me uh, how, how that's happening. I want to show you our goal in the Nicaragua partnership is to develop a self-sustained church planting movement in Nicaragua. We plant churches we really believe that you can go and you can build a house for somebody, you can drill a well for somebody, uh, you, can do the, you can do a medical clinic, but then what happens when you leave after that project is done, the people there are left with whatever you accomplish, which is always good, but we believe that planting churches and communities is more sustainable, that it develops long-term benefit for those people. So if we still drill wells, we still do medical clinics, 
We still, do, we still build buildings and do all that kind of stuff, but we do it in the context of working with a local church in an area. When we leave, that church is there, and the people in that community are still blessed. So that's our plan and our vision. This is what's been happening. We started in Nicaragua 10 years ago. There was one church there. As of today, there are eight vineyard churches in different stages of development. That probably doesn't seem like a lot to you, eight churches in 10 years. But let me just tell you, uh, it, it, it's really pretty impressive in the sense that uh, it's a challenging thing. It's a challenging. There, there are multiple economic and social and cultural dynamics working against that. So it's really been exciting to see what happened. Some of our churches, and I won't go through all of them, but they are six of the eight are pastored by by uh, native Nicaraguans. Two are pastored by North American transplants, expats that live there now, and some they are all. Uh, Four of them are second-generation churches, which means that one of the Nicaraguan churches planted a church, and we recently planted our first third-generation church. So what that means is uh, we are a second-generation church. The Anaheim Vineyard sent me out to plant this church. Hillsboro, where we were last night, is a third-generation church. We, we planted that church. So the church in the newest vineyard church plant in Managua is a third-generation church. It was planted out of a church that was planted out of a church in Nicaragua. So... Those are all steps towards the goal of a self-sustained church planting movement that just continues to, to, to do work for itself. So I thought I'd show you a little bit and tell you a little bit about some of what we did this week. Um, that, that is the newest vineyard church plant. Uh, it's called Pan de Vida, Bread of Life. Uh, they, the, the couple, Don Tucker and his wife Maria, Maria he, Don is North American, Maria is Puerto Rican. They have been living in Nicaragua for a few years and started this program two years ago. Uh, they feed anywhere from 80 to 100 school kids every day. They feed them lunch. The school there is divided into halves. You, the kids either go to school in the morning or the afternoon, and there's a, a one-hour gap in the middle. So during that gap, some kids go to school in the morning and then come for lunch. Others come for lunch and then go to school after. But Monday through Friday, five days a week, they feed 80 to 100 kids. So they've been doing that for about two years, and then a few months ago they thought, well, hey, we're in this community. We're feeding these kids. Maybe we should just start a church here. And they connected with our friends there who have a vineyard church and ultimately planted a church. So they're now doing church services on Sundays. Many of the churches in country, not super different than here, but many of them are made up of primarily women and children. A lot of the men are, uh, and again, that's not that different from the U.S. I mean, somewhat, but it's more dramatic there. Just not interested. So the women and kids come to church. And that's the newest vineyard church plant there. We met with, uh, part of my job is to facilitate relationship between the churches. So we had a meeting with all the area pastors and leaders. We spent a whole day together. We ate lunch, we ate dinner, we hung out, we shared stories, we fellowshiped, we prayed for each other, we worshiped, uh, we prayed some more, we, we worshiped some more, and just, just hung out together. So that's a lot of our leaders and pastors from uh, six of the eight churches are in the Managua area. Um, just for context, Nicaragua is about half the size of the state of Oregon, the whole state a whole country of Nicaragua, but it's divided down the middle. The whole middle of the country is, is unpopulated. It's, it's mountainous and it's jungle. On the east coast, there are churches, and they're all Caribbean culture or indigenous native culture. The west coast is all Hispanic culture, and they don't, they don't really connect. Half of the country lives in and around Managua. So, so it's, uh, there's a, it's about 3 million people. Um, I, think it's, I think it's about 5 million people, and 2.5 million live in and around the Managua area. So that's why we have six churches there. So that's a, a meeting of all those pastors. This is my uh, dear friend, 
Eugenio Maltez, who pastors the, uh, the first vineyard that we planted there. He's been working with us for 12 years. That's his daughter. She's given him a dirty look because she's his, she's his translator. He speaks English, but when he teaches, he doesn't like to translate for himself. So he has his 17-year-old daughter translating for him, and she is a crack-up. She's a total 17-year-old. She's very sarcastic, let's just say, um, and hilarious. So uh, Eugenio is one of my dearest friends in the world, really has. Over the years we've worked together, we have been through hard times, up and down. We've had challenges and worked together and have developed a, a tremendous trust and relationship, uh, and, and I love him dearly. And so uh, it's exciting for me to see. They just purchased a piece of property and are in, uh, in process of trying to raise funds to build their first church building. They're, they're meeting currently. You can't tell, but they're in like a, a patio in the back of somebody's house. That's where, that's where they meet, more or less. Um, this is a mission church that his church planted. It's called Tipitapa. That's the name of the community. It's one of the poorest communities in the Managua area. And they go in there every Sunday. And for the last four years, every single Sunday, as soon as their church service ends, they pack up all their sound gear, all their chairs, all their stuff into the back of a truck. And they drive across town into this community. And they set up and do another church service there for these people. What touches me about that so much is that uh, they don't have anything. I mean, these guys don't have anything, and yet they found somebody that has less than them, and they go take care of them. So they've been doing church there for four years. Every single Sunday, they pack up, and they go set up, and they do it. And it's 90 degrees, and it's humid, and it's raining, and they're outside, and their gear gets wet, and they do it with a smile on their face, and they love these people. And the, the people that they're going to the community, there's no offering. There's no money. There's nothing there. They don't have anything. And they go and do it for them. And it's awesome. It's unbelievable. Uh, some of these kids, I met a little girl who's 18 years old. Her family doesn't go to church, but she's been going to this service that they hold in that community for four years since she was 14 years old. And she became a Christian, and she, that's her family. That's her church now. Unbelievable. Amazing stuff. So then we flew across country to the east coast of Nicaragua, a place I'd never been before. We have a little church in a place called Puerto Cabezas. It's run by the Blanco family, Jorge Blanco, his wife, Juliana, and three of his kids. The church is in their home. We're walking into their home. You can't see it very well, but back in the back is the street, and there's a series of gangplanks you have to walk to get back to their house because their house is on stilts. There's torrential rains. Uh, don't ever complain about Portland's rain again. They get 100 inches of rain a year, 200 days of rain a year. Um, and you have to walk on these boards to get back to their house because of the flooding. They have no running water in their house. Actually, when we were there, we, we spent some money and we bought toilets and we bought plumbing supplies. And we're going to put toilets and get water into their house for them. They don't have any running water. And they have church in their home every week. They invite people into their home. They had some, the church grew, and the house collapsed. Uh, it fell through, and then they had to rebuild the floor, so the church shrunk. Um, but that's, uh, that's what they do. I mean, the Portico basis is, if you look on the map, it's in the east coast of Nicaragua, and the Atlantic coast, up near the Honduran border. It's, it's a forgotten city. It's the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's the middle of nowhere. Uh, we, we, it, there's whole communities, 
sections of town where there's, there's no electricity. Very few people have running water. It's unbelievable. And yet these people serve God faithfully day in, day out, week in, week out. It's unbelievable to me. We had a fantastic time praying together with them. Uh, again, it's a little dark. You can't see it very well. But that's part of our team there uh, praying for their family and just blessing them. Here's their family just so you can see a better picture. Um, <laughs> Jorge's the guy with the ball cap on. He's only about this big. Uh, Nathan said, yeah, I, was, I noticed that uh, Jorge was the shortest person in the room. He's even shorter than my wife. And his wife, Kayla, is about the same height as Donna. So I think Jorge's about five feet tall. Uh, but his kids, his family, and he, he, he just, he's just, they're, they're just people that uh, love the Lord. They, they love Jesus and they serve him, uh, again, with, with very little resource. We went from there to Bluefields. Bluefields is another community south of there, uh, a couple of hours. A little bit bigger, a little more developed than Puerto Cabezas. The church in Bluefields does an amazing thing. They have a, a school there. Bless you, bless you. They have a school there. Uh, that's how they're supported. Families pay a little bit of money to, to, for their kids to go to this school. They have 350 students in their school. 350 students in their school. Uh, they feed their kids lunch every day at school. They teach their kids. It's Christian education. Uh, so they learn the Bible. They learn worship songs. They learn about the Lord. Uh, they also learn English. And so... They get no funding from the Nicaraguan government because the Nicaraguan government says, we'll fund you. They've offered to fund them, but if we fund you, you can't teach them the Bible. They said, nope, we're going to teach them the Bible. Keep your money. So, uh, again, I just love what they do. They feed these kids lunch every day. These, the kids in their school get the best education available. They really do. Because there's literally, for kids to speak to not speak English as they grew up, their opportunities to, to, to really be successful in life are dramatically limited. And the public school is not teaching English, but their school does. It's, it's, it's amazing to me. So there we, we, that's us with them. That's Eugenio, my friend Shelton. That's Pastor Norman, me, Steve Fish, and Marshall Pruitt from Vancouver and a guy named Jason Verduzco who just planted a new vineyard church in Spokane, and they're getting involved with us uh, in the partnership as well. So, so that's just a, a snapshot of what we did this week and what's happening uh, through our partnership in Nicaragua. Some, a lot of you have been there. I hope all of you get to go at some point. I would love to take you. Uh, we believe, I believe, that God will change that country. I just, I do. I just believe God will. I mean, I thought, you know, people say change the country. You know, you the United States is huge. You know, I mean, a lot of people, how do you change a country? Man, it's huge. I like, man, this is a little tiny country. It's half the size of Oregon. There's only 5 million people. We could change that country easy. Uh, so I just think God has a plan for these people. They're an oppressed people. They have, they've had uh, hundreds and hundreds of years of corrupt government after corrupt government after corrupt government. You, you, some of you remember the whole Iran-Contra thing with Reagan. That was all in Nicaragua. The United States has not necessarily been a friend to them. Uh, but God's there, and he's real, and he's alive. So let me wrap up. We're almost out of time. I'll just talk about being missional for a minute. What, what's the difference between mission and mission and being missional? Uh, I'm going to skip ahead because that's the difference. Missional is a way of living. There's no beginning and no end to mission. Mission, missions, there's a beginning and there's a Missional is a way of life. It's a way of life. It's when all of our focus... Everything, all of life is to be engaged with the mission of God in the world. It starts when you get up in the morning and it ends when you go to bed at night and it never stops. 
You're, you're not just on a mission today. You're not going on a missions trip. You're a missional person. Your whole life is transformed by the idea that God's at work in the world and I can be a part of it. And that's the thing. I mean, I thought, no, I know we can't change a country. I think God can change a country. But he says, no, I want you to be a part of that. And I think missional is the same way. What can I do? Nothing. But God's at work in the world. Can I be a part of that? Is there somebody's life I can touch today in a special and a unique way? And if there is, God, show me who they are. Show me who they are. Maybe there's somebody that just needs a friend today. Maybe there's somebody that needs healing today. Maybe there's somebody that needs to know about you today. Just show me where you're working and what you're doing in the world. And and I'll I'll be used of you to do that. Uh, I said earlier I skipped the slides. We exist primarily for the benefit of those who don't yet belong. We We may exist for the benefit of those who may never belong. People might never come to know the Lord, but that doesn't mean we stop talking about them. People might never get healed, but that doesn't mean we stop praying for them. You know what I mean? People might never get out of poverty, but that doesn't mean we stop feeding. We continue to do the things of God in the world as long as there's people in the world to do them for. And I, I think that's what it means to be missional, to understand that all of the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Amen? You guys are awesome. I like you guys. I really do. Let's stand and let's pray. Um, who am I going to have come up here? Cindy, Sarah.